Eavesdrop on Experts, a podcast about stories of inspiration and insights. It's where expert types obsess, confess and profess. I'm Chris Hatzis. Let's eavesdrop on experts changing the world. One lecture, one experiment, one interview at a time. Professor Peter Revel from the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity in Melbourne and Dr Thomas Tu from the University of Sydney's Store Liver Centre met and bonded over hepatitis B. In 2016, Peter and his colleagues formed the International Coalition to Eliminate Hepatitis B. And both he and Thomas have been on the hunt ever since for hepatitis B's master virus blueprint, which they believe could lead to a finite cure. Peter Revel and Thomas too recently attended the 2019 International HBV meeting in Melbourne, the first time the event has been held in Australia. Although both men have medical research backgrounds and a vested interest in disease elimination, for Thomas too, who was diagnosed with the disease as a teenager, finding a cure for Hep B is personal. They took some time out to chat with our reporter, Dr Andy Horvath. We're in an era where international collaboration in research is critical to eliminate diseases like hepatitis B virus. Let's start with the basics. What is hepatitis B? Because there's A, B, C, D, E, if I recall. Yep. So hepatitis B is one of the hepatitis alphabet. As you say, there is A, B, C, D and E. Hepatitis B is a small DNA virus. It's one of the smallest viruses that infects humans. Um, of only 3,200 nucleotides. That's that's tiny when you think of the human genome of billions of nucleotides. Um, but this virus does a, does a lot of damage and causes liver cancer and chronic liver disease. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's a, a very, very tiny, tiny virus. Currently, how do we manage hepatitis B, Thomas? Uh, the current management includes uh, taking a daily pill that knocks down the replication of the virus. So you don't produce uh, uh, new virus particles. But the minute you take a patient off of treatment, the virus comes back. So a patient needs constant access to uh, take these medications. So there's no cure for hepatitis B at the moment. Can we take a preventative measure? Yeah, we, we have a, a very, very effective preventative vaccine, which is now given to all children at birth in Australia, for example. It's called the birth dose vaccine. Highly, highly effective. Preventative vaccine, though. It's not a therapy. It's not a cure. So there's 257 million people in the world living with chronic hepatitis B, 240,000 Australians. The preventative vaccine is of no benefit to them at all. Okay, so it, look, it's amazing, uh, but it's a very, it's a highly effective vaccine in preventing infection. Give us the global context. So, two hundred and fifty-seven million people chronically infected with this virus, and in fact, one point three billion people alive today have actually been infected with hepatitis B. Many of them have developed what's called an acute infection, and they clear the virus. So, the immune system, their healthy immune system, controls the viral infection. But in 257 million people, their immune system wasn't strong enough to do that, and they developed this chronic or lifelong infection. So 257 million people globally, it's, it's just a number that boggles the mind. But 110 million people in our region, in Asia-Pacific region, 240,000 Australians. To put that into some sort of context, we've just had the grand final in Melbourne, 100,000 people sitting in the stands. Well, almost two and a half times that number live with chronic hepatitis B here in Australia. 
And the burden of that disease is, of course, liver cancer and liver cirrhosis. Yes. So that's 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 if if people are untreated, um, they're they're quite likely to develop liver cirrhosis and lead to liver cancer. But even, and, and Thomas mentioned the treatments and the, and the very very effective antiviral treatments still don't eliminate the risk of liver cancer. There's still a fifty percent risk of of progressing, unfortunately, to liver cancer even in the advent of these continual treatments. Tell me about diagnosis. Many people are diagnosed um, just by routine blood tests. For example, if you go to uh, donate blood or uh, just a workplace health check, that's because a lot of patients simply don't display any symptoms. They can be chronically infected for much of their life, up to 50 years, and still have no symptoms. It's not until they feel sick enough to, to go to the doctor and get told their liver's failing or they've got liver cancer, do they actually know they have hepatitis B? Tell me about how this global initiative started, where you got together and said, hey, everybody working on hepatitis B virus, let's all work together and get a cure because we haven't nailed this particular virus. Tell me what led up to those events. In 2015, a number of us conducted a review of cure initiatives for hepatitis B, and we realised there wasn't a global approach to curing the virus. Unlike HIV, for example, the International AIDS Society has had a global cure initiative since 2010. We don't have the equivalent of an international aid society in the hepatitis B field. So through the um, the International Hepatitis B Meeting, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a moment, that's here in Melbourne in 2019, um, we, we got together and said, we a group of us need to get together and form an organisation to coordinate efforts to cure hepatitis B. So through the International Hepatitis B Meeting, through the Doherty Institute and through the ANRS Institute in France, a number of us got together and formed an organisation called the International Coalition to eliminate hepatitis B. The acronym is ICE-HPV, formed in 2016. That has brought together scientists, clinicians, the HPV-affected community, stakeholders such as the WHO, to work together to try and fast-track a cure. And we released a scientific strategy which was published in 2019, earlier this year, and we launched that in Vienna at one of the big liver meetings in April. And so uh, it's, it's, it's really bringing people together from all over the world to try and fast-track a cure. Is there a goal you have in mind for a particular year? If we were doing this interview in 2025? Yeah, I've got to be very careful not to give false hope here because hepatitis B, gee, it's a, it's a tricky little beast of a thing. But we, we want to fast track a cure and bring it along much faster than it would happen if we didn't exist. Let's talk about the trickiness of the virus because scientists analyse the virus through detection. You analyse it through the progression of the disease. And obviously you're looking at elimination. So why is this such a tricky little bugger of a virus? Let's start at the start. Uh, Every virus, when it infects a cell, needs to form a master blueprint of itself. Uh, And it's from this blueprint that you produce copies of virus. So it replicates itself. It replicates itself. And photocopies this initial blueprint to send off into the ether to infect other cells. With hepatitis B, this master blueprint is really stable. It's as stable as the cell itself. So uh, this means that we can't simply knock down the replication of the virus. We need to really target that master blueprint. And that's been one of the major difficulties in in hepatitis B research to to find that cure. 
What's changed in your field of research that you've seen so far as a scientist? Well, I think the major breakthrough has been uh, recently has been to find the receptor for the virus. This uh, had not been found before, and it had been really hard to culture the virus in the lab without knowing how can we infect a cell. So is this the receptor that attaches to our cells? Is that the receptor you're talking about? Where is the receptor? I'm talking about the uh, cellular receptor. That is the protein that the cell produces that the virus latches onto to enter the cell. Oh, so our cells make a protein? Correct. And the virus says, there you are, now I'm muscling my way in. Right, right. So it's our protein that allows it in. Yes, of course, yeah. This is the way many viruses enter cells, is is by hijacking our own body to enter and produce more copies of itself. That's the whole goal of a virus, is is to produce more copies of itself. Yeah, they're hell-bent on global domination, aren't they, these viruses? (laughs) Um, They really are. This receptor was only discovered in 2012. So this was this was a real hamstrung on, on, on the science, if you like. And, and it's interesting, it was discovered by Chinese scientists, particularly Wenwei Li. Wenwei Li is co-convening the International Hepatitis B meeting here in Melbourne in 2019 with me. So this has been a, a, a real paradigm shift for the field. As Thomas said, it opened up cell culture studies, it's opened up other studies, enabling us to, to study. The, the key thing is you can't study that reservoir that Thomas talked about unless you can study infection, because the very first step after infection, the virus makes this reservoir. It's called covalently closed circular DNA, or CCC DNA, and it's in the nucleus of the cell, and it's untargeted by any current therapy. So in other words, if I translate that, the virus creates its own reservoir of replicating itself and that's where things go downhill. Yes, and you, and they're not targeted by current drugs. So right. We, we need drugs that target that reservoir. Unlike hepatitis C virus, which doesn't have a reservoir, we now have drugs that can c- completely eliminate hepatitis C virus in as little as 8 to 12 weeks of treatment, which is amazing. That's absolutely incredible. We can't do that for hepatitis B yet. Right. So this is the nasty one amongst the alphabet, isn't it? Well, they're all nasty. They all cause terrible liver damage. Hepatitis C is nasty, but we've got a cure for it. Hepatitis B, we don't have a cure, but we've got a preventative vaccine. But So I would hate to say one is more nasty than the other in terms of the outcome, mm. but it's certainly a terrible virus causing a terrible disease. Dr Thomas, tell us about your story. What inspired you to enter this area of research? I am a carrier of hepatitis B. I uh, found out when I was a teenager uh, through a routine blood test. And when I w- was diagnosed, I was obviously quite uh, upset, but I don't know, I, I didn't realise why. Uh, I wasn't given much information, just that you will have this for the rest of your life. And that was it. Uh, you, you may get uh, liver disease down the track. But uh, so... After that, I was a bit despondent, as you can imagine. Um, But then I thought, what is this? Uh, And so I I went online and and started really uh, looking up what hepatitis B was. And I accrued all of this knowledge and and realized I could do something. There's so many unknowns about hepatitis B still that... 
I could do something to sort of lift myself out of this situation. But and and that self-informing was was really empowering, and and drove me to to get up and fix it. And and so that has been the major inspiration for me to to start this research. Tell us about your latest research project. So the latest research project that I've got uh, has been to detect this master blueprint, this reservoir, this CCC DNA, uh, with a new, uh, very accurate, very sensitive method. And I'll be presenting that data at this uh, meeting in 2019. And so with this method, now we can start to use this to screen drugs, for example, and, and look at ways of uh, targeting this this reservoir and hopefully lead to a cure. I'm always uh, moved by people who examine scientifically the very conditions they have. Uh, you join a long line of quite famous people who, who've done that. Peter, what got you into infectious diseases? Tell us about young Peter, who was interested in studying infection. It's actually a a long, sort of interesting story. I did a, I did a um, honours degree in botany <laughs> and a PhD on mushroom viruses. All right, and then, a, then a postdoc on plant viruses, which led into hepatitis viruses. Because uh, so, it's it's funny, viruses are basically all kind of the same, whether they infect a mushroom, a plant, a, a cat, or a human. Um, but but the host is actually different, and there are some, and the diseases are different. So, 15 years ago, I moved into hepatitis B and had to learn very quickly about the human immune response as well as all the things about the virus. But I, I very quickly realised the, the terrible problems associated with this virus, and, and particularly the, the link with liver cancer was of interest to me. So, so my research group at the Doherty Institute is very interested in also the CCCDNA that, that Thomas has talked about. We work on that as well, but also developing a biomarker for liver cancer. There's no way yet of really predicting who's going to go on and develop liver cancer for chronic hepatitis B. Okay, so so our group is focusing on what we call splice variants of hepatitis B. Now, I said hepatitis B is small. These are even smaller. But they still pack most of the proteins of the virus and, in fact, make some different proteins, some novel or funny proteins. And we've shown that they are actually associated with and, indeed, predictive of liver cancer in the lead-up to, to diagnosis in the five years previous. So that's, that's the focus of my research. In fact, I have an NHMRC grant to work on that, which is fantastic. Um, so that's really what inspires me every day. But I tell you, I'm, I am so inspired by this gentleman over here for telling his story. I think Thomas is the first person in our field who's talked about his experiences of living with hepatitis B and plus the work that he is doing. He's being a little bit humble. He is one of our leading lights in the field. Okay, And, and why the work he's doing is so important is that this CCCDNA reservoir it's very, very hard to detect. We have working groups, this international coalition that I, I work in, we have a working group on detecting CCCDNA. If we can't detect it, we can't work out that the new drugs are actually effective against it. So we need different ways of, of actually measuring it. And Thomas's new method, and I haven't seen the presentation yet, but I've read his abstract, it looks amazing. And it could be what we call a game changer for the field to be able to detect this. Because these days, it's very, very hard to analyze the liver directly. Okay, so we need very, very sensitive ways of measuring this CCCDNA reservoir, either in the liver or potentially other markers that are in, in the serum in the body. Mm. So uh, Thomas is doing amazing work. Good on you, Thomas. Get back into the lab. What are you doing yeah, right. here in the studio? We're, we're, Come on, there isn't a moment to waste. I've got to get going. Right. But before you go, 
tell me something that surprises you about your research, because scientists go in, they do experiments, um, but every now and again, I find that scientists tell me they're surprised about nature or some activity that they see in front of them. Now, this, this virus surprises me every day. When I said it's small, it, 3,200 nucleotides is nothing, and yet this virus carries the messages to cause chronic liver disease of 257 million people. And we've had the best minds working on it for 34 years. This is the 34th iteration of the International Hepatitis B meeting here in Melbourne in 2019. And yet we still don't know. There's there's many things we still don't understand about the virus life cycle or replication cycle, and we still cannot cure it. And and the most important thing we need to do is develop a finite cure, so a short-term cure, that people can take some pills for a a short duration and not have to take pills for the rest of their life. And that inspires me every day. Thomas, what surprised you about your journey of research? I was so surprised about how much everyone cares about this virus, even though they may not have met someone with hepatitis B or know what it does. Everyone's trying so hard to get a cure, to find out more about this virus. And I, and I think our listeners out there should, should know this, that if you are affected with, uh, by hepatitis B, there are people behind you. You're not alone. Just know that. There are lots of people working on your behalf uh, to cure the virus. Tell me about some misconceptions people might have about hepatitis B. I'll give you my story. I mean, even though I was born in Australia, I'm different to what I see in Australian culture. Uh, for example, who, who's on TV, who's on movies, who's in power, who's representing me in, in Parliament. My family are from Vietnam. They're uh, the first migration wave after the white Australia policy was repealed. So uh, we had faced quite a bit of uh, discrimination. So I think whether I like it or not, and whether it's accurate or not, I represent a community that has been, you know, discriminated in the past. And so this complicates uh, how I talk about hepatitis B, how open I am about having hepatitis B. I'll give maybe a story about that. Um, So I went to a party once and uh, met a girl, as you do, Um, and uh, I sort of liked her and and we uh, got talking uh, and and turns out she lived close to me and she offered me a ride home. I had just come from the lab, so I, I needed to pick up my stuff, and, and we got talking, and she asked, oh, what do you do? And I said, I, I study hepatitis B virus, and uh, why do you study it? I said, um, well, my family come from Vietnam. It's quite uh, common there. Uh, it's known within my family. And she came up and said, just bluntly, oh, do you have it? Now, at this point... I have to think and make a judgment about how this person is going to react. Um, as my parents are, are 
you know, uh, from Vietnam. They they told me to keep my head down, to not make waves, uh, work hard, no politics, no personal incriminating facts to strangers. Um, and so I have to think, what are the consequences of my response? Is she going to respect the honesty, which would be nice? Is she going to refuse me a ride or refuse to go out on a date with me? Is she... Is this going to reinforce this view of oh, dirty immigrants coming to our country and taking our health care? Is it somehow going to be notified to the authorities and my family being chucked out of the, the country? You know, all of these issues come up from this single, fairly benign question. Um, and, and that sort of something I have to live with each day. And, and that can get quite tiring. So um, just as an ending to that story, I did tell her, yes, I do have hepatitis B. She gave me a ride back home anyway. Um, and uh, long story short, we actually celebrated our uh, fourth year wedding anniversary this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's a happy ending I love. Oh, my gosh. And a lesson for many yeah. Oh, Thomas, it's a beautiful story. It is a beautiful story. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I actually saw that he had a wedding ring on, so I knew where <laughs> this story was going. Oh, you'd hope it's not the, the one that didn't put the wedding ring on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations you. on your wedding anniversary. Can, can I touch on something else that Thomas raised there too about hepatitis B being present in Australia for a very long time? It's a terrible situation that in 2019, rates of chronic infection in Indigenous Australians uh, between four and ten times higher than non-Indigenous Australians. And some work at the Doherty Institute and in collaboration with the Menzies Institute in Darwin has shown that hepatitis B has probably been in this country with the longest um, culture on earth for 60,000 years. So, and, and it turns out that um, in the Northern Territory, there's a particular strain of the virus called the C4, which is not found anywhere else in, in Australia, sorry, anywhere else in the world. Another little known fact is that hepatitis B was discovered in 1965 in the serum of an Indigenous Australian and was first known as the Australia antigen. This virus really gets around. It does. Um, but I think, I think it's terrible. And in 2019, we, we're still seeing these huge rates of, of chronic disease. That's why cure is so important. Peter, next time we hear a new story about hepatitis B or encounter something to do with infectious diseases like hepatitis B, what would you like us to think about? I want us to think about people like Thomas, people who are living with chronic hepatitis B infection. Um, World Hepatitis Alliance has a campaign called Find the Missing Millions of People Living with Viral Hepatitis, be it hepatitis C or hepatitis B. I want us to think about the missing millions. Um, be they in Australia, be they in Mongolia, be they in Africa. We need to find these people, we need to treat these people, and we need to fast-track a cure for these people. Bill Gates, I hope you're listening. There's a project for you to fund. Thomas, what would you like us to think about? I would like you to think about the people that have the disease and how they're not people out there, but they're us. They are people among us who are suffering. And it's not someone to chuck out of the country or to put away in the corner. It is someone to lend a helping hand and help out. Hepatitis B is a global problem. Gentlemen, I wish you all the very best of luck and good scientific work. Thank you, Professor Peter Revel. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
And thank you, Dr Thomas too. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you to Professor Peter Revel from the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity and Dr Thomas too from the University of Sydney's Store Liver Centre. And thanks to our reporter, Dr Andy Horvath. Eavesdrop on Experts, Stories of Inspiration and Insights was made possible by the University of Melbourne. This episode was recorded on September 30, 2019. You'll find a full transcript on the Pursuit website. Audio engineering by me, Chris Hatzis. Co-production, Sylvie Van Wall and Dr. Andy Horvath. Eavesdrop on Experts is licensed under Creative Commons Copyright 2019, the University of Melbourne. If you enjoyed this episode, review us on Apple Podcasts and check out the rest of the Eavesdrop episodes in our archive. I'm Chris Hatzis, producer and editor. Join us again next time for another Eavesdrop on Experts.